Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. And the other thing is that there's a very high competition for the best legal talent. The law firms need to pay high salaries to attract it. And the law firms also can be extremely demanding. And because there's in many cases, these firms are huge, specialization is extremely important. Okay, this webinar today is about top 10 reasons attorneys trained in big New York firms tend to command the most respect in the market. It's actually a very important webinar. It's important if you're, even if you're not in New York, but if you are in New York, it's really important to understand the dynamic of New York trained attorneys because you'll be coming up with, against them regardless of your practice area at different types, different times in your career. And it's important to understand how they think and how the law firms think. It's also important to understand what happens further along you get in your career and the more sophisticated types of firms you get into. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I think it's a great webinar, just or the topic of it, just because you can really learn a lot, whether you're a law student, you're already an attorney in a big firm and thinking about leaving, whether or not you're trying to go to a bigger firm and what the consequences are if you leave large law firms. So I'm going to talk about that. And then typically what I do after the webinars is I'll take questions and I'll take as many questions as everyone has today that I have no time limitation or anything. So I should be able to get to all the questions. And then I'm also going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the legal market right now. I've been through several recessions in the legal market, starting with the first one, which was in late 2000. And then other ones, obviously you had 2011 was one, and then you had 2008. And so there's, or 2018, 17, 19. And now I think that we're going into a pretty serious recession in the legal market. There's been lots of layoffs and deferments already of first-year classes. And from what I can see, things are going to get worse and they're going to get worse in certain markets because I've been doing this for so long and have run so many businesses in the legal space related to legal careers, I can provide you today what I think are the best options for responding to this recession in the legal market and really what you can do because every attorney actually is safe if you take the right moves, but most people don't take the right moves. And it's when the stock market's high, everyone thinks it's going to keep going higher and higher. And then when it slows down, it's just a blip and then it keeps going down, it keeps going down. And then eventually, and people don't pay attention to that. And that's how people lose a lot of money. That's the same thing with their legal career. So I'm going to warn you today about some of the things to look for as well. In terms of New York firms, the best New York firms really have a, a lot of mystique and they command a very high regard from other firms, attorneys, legal clients in the market generally. When I was a attorney, when I was clerking for a federal judge in Michigan, I remember that we had a case that was a class action and there were lots and lots of law firms and people involved. And then one of the attorneys announced that there was someone there from Sherman and Sterling or one of these kind of really prestigious firms. And that attorney was actually like a first year or second year. And I remember everyone that this big group of attorneys was just very impressed. And a lot of these big firms do carry a lot of clout. And I'm going to tell you why that is. And the attorneys from them do. And it's based on a lot of factors that I'll get into today. But there's really no single reason why a lot of people consider New York firms the best. But there's a lot of them. I was reading recently a biography of Michael Dell. And I don't know what he was doing. He was taking the company public or doing merging or something. All he talked about was using Wachtell and just very, very prestigious firms in New York. And instead of firms that were in his home state or in Austin and around at that or Houston. And so people tend to go to these firms when they have very big issues and New York firms tend to do that kind of work. And so you need to understand why that is. And these firms and the attorneys that come out of them are frankly in the market often considered the best, the most highly trained and the most competent attorneys in the country. And just a fact. And if you want the skills to be at the top of the legal profession, there's lots of good places to do, but there's really 
no place that is consistently better than New York. This started rubbing off on me when I was after the first big financial crisis in my career, which was in late 2000. And as people came back from these kind of a lot of the companies that had crashed, which at that time were a lot of startups because everyone thought the internet was going to take over and everyone threw money at these internet companies and there were public offerings and mergers and and lots of stuff that was happening. But after that happened, they looked at a lot of the things that had been done and the deals. And the consensus was that most of the deals had been done by firms in Silicon Valley, and there were problems with them, and they were, a lot of the work was sloppy. But the firms that the work that had been done in New York and all these new companies was held up a lot better. And so I heard that a lot. And I'm not, obviously, I don't have any problem with Silicon Valley law firms. But at that time, this is what the word on the street was about the work and the different quality of work that had been done by firms in different markets. And it still holds true today. There's just a level of prestige that attorneys from a lot of these firms have that's not dissimilar from the prestige of having attended an Ivy League law school. If you work at Paul Weiss or you work at Cravath or you work at one of these firms, it, it does define you for the rest of your career a lot of times. And people they'll talk about it, they mention it in the same way that attorneys that were worked at or went gone to a good law school or a good college mention it, they take it very seriously. And this is often very confusing to attorneys from the South, where everyone talks about different firms down there, like Austin and Bird or Chicago, where people are talking about Sydney and Austin and or Texas, where there's Baker Botts, and the West Coast, where there's a lot of big native firms there too. So a lot of people in these markets don't understand it. You could be a, an attorney coming out of a school in Los Angeles and doing very well. And, and really, the firms that are on your map are the best firms in California. And, and so people don't often understand the prestige levels of these firms and what they mean. And people that do very well at schools like Harvard and, and Columbia are very aware of this packing order and, and why it's important for attorneys. And so I'll talk a little bit about that today as well. When I'm working with equivalent candidates, and I've worked with thousands of attorneys that may be lo relocating to another part of the country from New York, Chicago, or the West Coast, the ones from the top New York firms almost always do better. If someone from New York wants to relocate to Minneapolis, someone from San Francisco wants to relocate to Minneapolis, and someone from Chicago wants to relocate to Minneapolis. In almost all cases, they're similar types of attorneys in terms of the strength of their background, but one is coming out of a big New York law firm. Typically, the New York, law, New York attorney will not only get more interviews, but will close more interviews and do better in the interviews. And it's not always the case, but it is a lot more the case than not. It's just, it's a different person in a lot of respects in terms of the way they think about the practice of law. Not being, I don't think that's classist or anything along those lines. It's because of the way New York firms tend to operate and the type of work that they do. So the first thing is of the 10 reasons is the prestigious New York law firms that often serve you know, large, very cost-averse clients that really have the option of selecting any firm they want for the legal work. And so the attorneys that are associated with these firms and that selectivity of the clients often get what's a halo effect. And there's some things that are important to understand about living and working in New York City. It's a very expensive city to do business in. It's a very expensive city to live in. It's also a very expensive city to work in. And also the taxes are very high. There's city taxes and there's taxes if you live in New Jersey that are high and there's the area is crowded. There's, it's a very difficult place to live. People live in small apartments. Many times people live outside of New York and have long commutes. 
It's not easy to raise a family. You, people send kids to private schools, which are very expensive. It's just a very hard place to live and do business. And, and not only that, you have crime and, and just transient people going through there sometimes. And it's just a very difficult place to even practice law. And the other thing is that there's a very high competition for the best legal talent. So the law firms need to pay high salaries to attract it. And the law firms also can be extremely demanding of, of the types of attorneys that they hire and have all sorts of cutoffs and things that don't always exist in other markets. If an attorney is in Chicago, which is a great legal market, and there's very good firms there, and is laid off and, and wants to find another job, there's a decent chance that another large law firm in Chicago may hire them. But in New York, there's so many attorneys to choose from and so many reasons to eliminate people. Staying employed with a firm is a huge accomplishment. And not only that, but the number of applicants for each job is large. And so the law firms will hire the best person they can get and they'll look for reasons to eliminate people. So it's like grade points and all these sorts of things. It's almost like applying to an Ivy League school in the sense that they're going to select the very best out of very good people applying for the same jobs. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Office space is very expensive, very expensive in most parts of New York, and it's going down. But it's, it is very expensive. The administrative support is very expensive. So people that do in different departments, secretaries and things often make a lot of money, much more than they would in other cities. And all the things that are necessary to run a law firm come at a higher cost than they would in, in other cities for the most part. And so the rates of these law firms typically are very high and need to be to offset all of these costs. And in many New York law firms, the rates of a junior associate are higher than those even of partners in mid-sized firms in smaller cities at good firms. It's that much of a differential. And because of these high costs, these more prestigious firms often typically do work for companies that can afford them and want the very best attorneys they possibly could be. And these are often the largest, most not cost-sensitive client in the United States and all over the world. And and these giant profitable companies throw off a lot of money and they have no issue with spending a lot of money if you're a company generating billions of dollars a year, or hundreds of millions, as long as you receive the best possible legal work, you're not necessarily going to be looking for the level of efficiency and lower bills that a smaller company would. So this big work and where there's a lot of money involved does go to a lot of firms in New York. And most large New York law firms are servicing many of the most successful companies in the country, as well as all over the world. And they're not just doing work for companies in the area, they, they made all over. And, and they'll get the associates and attorneys that are working there, get a halo effect from this because employers and potential clients and others infer that in order to get even get a job in a city where it's extremely competitive to get a job and there's lots of applicants, it's very difficult to stay employed with a lot of firms. If the attorney's accepted in this and allowed to work on these important matters, the presumption is they must be very good. And how does that compare with other markets? Certainly, Los Angeles is a competitive market. Chicago is a competitive market. The Bay Area is a competitive market. But this market is just, it's, there's a difference to it. And, and it's something that people in my industry and other 
industries very much understand. And now in top New York firms, there's often a culture of kind of paranoia. And this isn't that way for all firms. Certain law firms have a reputation to be more easygoing than others. For example, Simpson Thatcher has always had a reputation of having very smart people, but people that were a little bit more mellow and more friendly than other firms, but every firm has a different culture. But you have to understand that when so much money is going around, there's a very high level of attention to detail and the quality of the work being done. That's just because if you turn in a work something to a client, which will almost all cases have a general counsel and maybe even multiple people in their legal department, if they find simple errors in the work, logic errors and citation errors and typos and things, they're going to be very upset. And it's that way for firms in all parts of the country, but it's elevated to a little bit higher level at a lot of firms in New York. And you know, every people that work in these firms are producing work that is very carefully reviewed. It's gone over for consistencies and imperfections. And because there's in many cases, these firms are huge, the work done by a junior associate may be overlooked by a mid-level associate who may have a senior associate look over things who may have even a non-equity partner look at things before. It just goes through a lot of stages that other firms wouldn't do. And because there's just not, the client is often not willing to pay for it, or it's just not part of the DNA of the firm. And this oversight exists, of course, in all firms. There's very good firms in in Los Angeles and Chicago, all over you know the country. But certainly a lot of these New York-based firms do have a reputation for a culture where this stuff is really emphasized a lot. And because of that, because accuracy and how you're presenting things to the client and the type of work being done and the extra costs that the client's paying, there's a paranoia that these attorneys have about mistakes, whether they're mistakes that are social in nature, mistakes that are just in terms of the quality of work they're turning in. There's a heightened level of paranoia in these firms and worry that you don't necessarily see in all firms around the country. And, and again, the people are left in fear. Even partners, associates, and others, they believe that they're one stick away from losing their client or losing their jobs and often conduct themselves as such, meaning they're always on their best. They're trying to really portray an image of being in control of themselves, of the work, of the different things around them. And again, the work that's done, as I said earlier, it tends to often be just a little bit tighter, a little bit more air-free, and more consciously considered from every single angle and aspect because clients can afford that. And that carries over into the type of work that they do. It's very interesting when I'm working with, if I'm working with an attorney from Sullivan and Cromwell or one of these really top firms, they may send me 10 different versions of their resume because they're reworking small things and tightening up language. And I just don't see that as a general rule from any other attorneys I work with in other parts of the country. And it's like that if they're putting together business plans. It's like that when they're researching firms to apply to everything there's just a tightened level of redoing things and making them perfect than you may not see in a lot of other people. And the idea is with this kind of perfect work is if an in-house counsel is reviewing something and they find a typo, the in-house counsel may presume that the information contained in the document, the, le- the logic and the meat of the work product may be riddled with all sorts of mistakes. So this is a lesson to understand for attorneys at all levels. As you move down the pipeline from firms that are serving the biggest clients to firms that are serving individuals and the smallest clients, typically you'll see less attention to detail because there's not the clients aren't willing to pay as much. And so the work comes out many times sloppy, sometimes formatted improperly, many times with run-on sentences and all sorts of problems. But you don't see that from attorneys from often the best firms. Now, I'm sure they do uh, make mistakes, but you don't see it as much. And the reason is because the way that attorneys are taught to think 
in a lot of these bigger firms is that if you're making mistakes in your formatting, in your language, you're making typos, you're not creating very perfectly written prose and emails, and then the thought is that, that you're not thinking through the logical conclusions and the way you're presenting information and the way you're thinking about information. So if the work hasn't been proofed at the, and looked at upper level, meeting the mechanics of something, then how can you possibly trust the logic that may go into to, to the arguments being made or the, the transaction documents and that sort of thing? And when clients are paying a lot of money for legal work, they really want to be convinced that they're paying for the absolute best service you possibly can. They want to make sure that they look the best, meaning you're representing them and the opposing counsel is seeing very good work on the other side. And it's, it's a reflection of the client's brand, the quality of work that you do. So if you're out there doing work for a giant company, which could be, I don't know, Owen Mills or something, it doesn't matter. But then that company, if you're not doing a really good job for them, that's reflecting on their brand and also the brand of the law firm. And the law firm, these law firms rigorously protect the brands and in some cases been doing for a hundred or more years. And it's because these attorneys are working with the largest clients, they're often, more often than not, put on very high stakes matter, matters where they're surrounded by teams of people trying to do the best possible work. So one thing that happens a little bit more often than not with New York firms is they're more likely to get work when it's bet the company type matters or very important transactions than them work in other markets. So a lot of times the work that comes to them is the most important. If a big company, say, I don't know, Herman Miller, in, which is in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or General Motors in Detroit, if one of these companies is involved in some very serious lawsuit or very serious transaction, they will often not use firms in Michigan or Chicago, or they will go to the best firm they can find in New York. And, and that's just like the example I told you earlier with Michael Dell. And, and this is just how it works. Even when, even sometimes when they have a local office in a city. So if a New York firm is in, say, Palo Alto, a lot of times they'll not use the Palo Alto office. They may actually want to go to the New York office to represent them, leaving the people in Palo Alto feeling silly. And so this is just how it works from that same firm. And this is how a lot of people think about this in the market. Obviously, this kind of environment will rub off on the attorney that's part of it. And and that's one of the reasons that the market seems to respect these attorneys so much. Now, I don't know all the other reasons. I'm just telling you some of the ones that I think, but this is one reason that I believe. And again, my experience is that a lot of the best attorneys all over the world are very paranoid about the details of their, not only their presentation with work, but their entire persona. And attorneys who are average to poor will often gloss over these details. And as a result, will often lose cases and, and different matters and, and not do as well as, as other people would. And, and they're not working for clients. And because a lot of other firms aren't working for clients willing to spend the money to do the work in this much depth, they'll often try to wing it. And to an extent that your firm wouldn't, the best in your firms, and because they may not understand things with the level of depth that is necessary to lead to get the most advantages. I'm going to tell a quick story that I think is funny, but it's not. I don't know if it's funny. It's very interesting. When you look, because I live in Los Angeles, it's fun to drive around and, and go to open houses and stuff. And there's houses, one not too far from just sold for a couple hundred million. And it's, it's insane. But it's almost even with real estate, like the higher up. And I never thought I would ever live in a market where houses are routinely, routinely $50 million or more. But when you look at the most expensive houses, it's interesting. Often everything is perfect. Our 
architecture is perfect, the, the interior is perfect, the, the appliances, the doors, everything is perfect and well thought out. And as you move down the ladder, a lot of times things aren't as well thought out. If you're trying to make something perfect, you will uh, go to an excruciating detail to make something perfect and you can charge more money for it. And so that's one way that people think about any product, uh, whether it's a lawyer or something you're trying to sell for a lot of money, whether it's a house, whether it's a piece of clothing from a really good store as opposed to something that's mass produced. Everything is perfect. And a law, as a lawyer, you're a product and you have to realize that your product and the, comes with certain expectations and the brand of the firm comes with certain expectations. And a better brand means that it's going to consistently produce a higher quality of things that you may not think of, but people that are at a very high level are thinking about it. So you buy a really good purse from you know Hermes or something, and you know that the leather is going to be the best, the sewing of the thing is going to be the best, that the humans and not machines are going to be involved where possible, that the design is going to be the best, done by the best designers. And the more detail you put into a product, often the more you can charge for it. Maybe the product is even lasts longer and is better. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I said the, the test of time with all these bad transactions that were done in the internet boom, the New York firms often produced a better quality product. And, and they're older, they're 100 years old, a lot of them. But, but attorneys from these firms, if they're expected to understand the matters they're working on in great depth, and given the time and money to do, they're really going to develop work habits and become much better attorneys in the long run. So it's not just the fact that they're at these firms that makes them good. It's the habits they learn from other attorneys there. It's the firm's tradition of doing work a certain way, its brand, it's the type of clients it gets that are willing to spend a lot of money. It's all these things. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. And the best New York firms also give attorneys the ability to become highly specialized, whereas in other markets that may not occur. So if you look at a corporate attorney, for example, in Minneapolis, that attorney's resume, Minneapolis is a great market. So is New Orleans. These are lots of legal markets around the country. But a corporate attorney from one of those markets may do M&A, they may do general corporate, they may also do a little bit of securities, and they'll do many different types of corporate. Whereas the typical attorney in New York at the biggest firms is more likely to do M&A and even a subspecialty within M&A and be even more specialized. And most law firms around the country, attorneys in different practice areas are often more generalist in their practice area or just generalist than specialist. But in New York, because the billing rates are much higher, and other factors, the attorneys tend to become extremely specialized in their practice area niches. I remember when I was a summer associate in a large New York law firm a long time ago, but they would kind of school us in the way they were different from other firms. And they said stuff like, in our firm, instead of just doing this type of transaction, we have attorneys that have spent their entire careers just 
concentrating on one aspect of the transaction and one and one type of contract or something. And I thought that was very interesting, meaning when a client comes to them, they don't just get some generalist that's going to have to spend money doing R&D. They get someone that actually knows their matters in great detail, therefore is more efficient, and therefore the law firm can charge a lot more money. And someone that's very specialized will often understand their practice here in great depth, and in such depth that they'd be among the few people in the world with such knowledge. When I started the attorney search and through what I've done, throughout the, the past few decades, all I do are law firm placements. And every day I spend hours learning new things about practice areas and how to match attorneys from different firms. And the more depth and the more time you spend doing something and concentrate on it, the better you become by the point where um, there's hardly anybody in the world that's as good as you. I've seen people that I remember seeing a project finance attorney. There's an old firm in New York called Brown and Wood. And he was for 15 years before he got laid off. He'd been doing, again, one little aspect of project finance, which I thought was just amazing. I'd never seen anybody like that. And then when it was time for him to look for a new job, there were only like two firms in the world that even had someone doing that. And he was able to get jobs and interviews of both and jobs at one of them. This type of specialization is not always the case, but in almost all instances, at the best New York law firms, a lot of these attorneys do become more specialized than they would be in other sorts of firms. And why is that? It's because the law firms can afford to, they have enough work coming in in these specialties where they can actually afford to have people specialize. It actually gives them more business because with the specialized attorneys. And then if a deep pocket attorney has a deep pocket client, has a matter that calls for a lot of specialization, they would prefer going to a firm where there's specialists in those subspecializations as opposed to non-specialists. I went to college with a guy that became a doctor, and he specialized in something so I don't even know what it was. It was something where I think children were born with a head that was too large. I don't some, something along those type of lines, but a, a very unique genetic condition. And he spent with medical school, then his residency, then he did these postdoctoral I don't know fellowships, and so he didn't even start practicing until he was in his forties because he'd been doing so much study on this and. But when he came out, this operation that he understood how to do, he would basically, anyone in the world that needed it would come to him and he would charge a lot of money, like a quarter million dollars or something because he was such an expert. And this is a lot of times what happens in the legal space. So people become very specialized. So if you had a, I don't know, if you had a certain type of heart condition, you could go to a regular heart doctor or you could go to a cardiologist or you could go to a subspecialist within cardiology. And you would probably feel a lot better than using a generalist. So it's like that for the biggest clients. And the New York law firms tend to have a specialist in various areas and that can command much higher prices for the type of work they do. Now, that's not to say that law firms in Los Angeles and the Bay Area and Houston and Dallas and Miami don't have specialists as well, but it's more common in New York law firms and almost more expected. And because the billing rates are so high and the firms have to charge them, the clients of those firms are more willing to pay them when they're sold on having specialists that know exactly what they're doing. The out five hours of a specialist time may be equivalent to 10 or 20 hours of a non-specialist time in that general practice area. So actually, the way that a New York firm would present it would be we're saving you money, even though we're charging you so much more because we know what we're doing. And therefore, you're even likely to do much better in terms of the result. And if you are specialized, it makes you more, more hireable from the standpoint of a law firm. Because if a law firm is hiring laterally and you're listing 
all sorts of different things you do on your resume, that's not going to help you as much as it would be if you're very specialized. And if you have unique skills and you won't be competing with a lot of applicants for a job requiring someone with your background. Now, I do want to take a little divergence here and just talk to you a little bit about BCG, but not BCG specifically, but something that we've learned about practice areas and what's so important. So a lot of attorneys, when they submit their resume on BCG, will say things like, I do IP, then I also do some corporate, and I've also got some real estate experience. Thinking that the more type of practice areas you have experience in, the better you will do. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. Most law firms that are hiring laterally, not all, but most, and law firms that use that are hiring business that work for businesses actually prefer specialists. So being getting a lot of experience in different practice areas may you may think helps you, but you're much better off leading with one solid practice area than you are having multiple practice areas on your resume because it makes it look like you're not specialized. And so this is something that every resume should do. Very few do it. Most resumes will talk about all these different types of experience a person has. And that's exactly what most law firms that serve businesses don't want to hear. They want experts. And the more of an expert you are, that means you're going to be more efficient. It means you know what you're doing. It means you're committed. It means you've been learning about that practice area as opposed to someone that has a bunch of practice areas. So when someone's submitting their resume to BCG, you know, the smartest thing they can do is really think about their experience and word it in a way where they look like an expert in one practice area. Maybe they have some experience doing other things. You can certainly mention that in passing, but you want to look like an expert. And very few people do this. We have to review resumes manually and reclassify people. We have a team of, I don't know, that does nothing but this and with rules and all sorts of things, but it's very important that you have a specialized practice here and you know what you're doing because the more practice areas you list on your resume, the worse off you are. The other thing that's interesting is a lot of times people will have had multiple jobs. So they'll have one job where they're doing IP, then the next job they're doing litigation, then the next job they're doing litigation and real estate. And they think it's great to list all this different experience and things they've done. Well, all that shows the firm is that you've been doing all these different things and haven't been really concentrating and learning one practice area. Because the more you learn one practice area, the better you are, the better service you're providing, and the more you look committed, and the more you have multiple practice areas, it's the opposite. It's also that way with practice settings. If you're committed to working in a law firm practice setting, you're learning about a law firm over and over again. But if you're a law firm, you go to the government, you go in a house, and go back to a law firm, it's not that. And this is one thing that you know can hurt you with law firm. And I can certainly answer questions about this when we get done with this webinar, but it's very important to realize that being a specialist is extremely important, even to the extent that you're a subspecialist within a major practice area. So what does that mean? It means you could be an M&A attorney, but you specialize in merging different hospital groups or literally something like that, as opposed to just being a general M&A attorney, or you're a securities attorney and you specialize in doing merging companies into corporate shells and then raising money. There's all sorts of specialties that you could do. And it's very important to make sure that you have a specialty. There's another thing I'll tell you that's very interesting. Attorneys that are in practice areas like family law or insurance defense or trust in estates or ERISA, where they're just doing one thing and they've been doing one thing their entire career, get more interviews, get more jobs than people that are doing multiple things. It's always been the case. And so it's very interesting. And all that, it doesn't mean most people think, oh, family law is not prestigious or personal injury is not this prestigious. Actually, it is prestigious because you're likely to be able to get employed your entire career 
because there's not many people that specialize in things as opposed to doing a lot of different things. So specialization is extremely important to your career. If you just get one thing out of this webinar, understanding that and understanding the nature of New York firms, why they can charge more money for specialists is very important. It can change the whole dynamic of your career because the more you learn about something, no, it'll take other people years to catch up with you and you understand how things work, you know, much better. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.